Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. I, I will t- I will touch on Flurry and and how uh, thrilled I was to get him at eight at the draft. I, yeah. I won't go into any anything further there. Uh, I don't want to yeah. get too much away from our our show. So and uh, one thing I wanted to ask: Do you think we need a theme song for Beauties and the Beast? Because I think that's our best segment. I think everybody loves that segment. I feel like it deserves a song of some sort. I don't have one. Uh, I don't mm. know what your thoughts are on that. Or should we like get a like a, a little jingle or something or something to, to boost it a little bit more. Not that it necessarily needs it, but what do you think? Well, the, I mean, I guess right off the top of my head and you know, I, I'm pretty silly sometimes off the top of my head. So this may sound retarded, but um, so, so Good, what, I, I what I'm does. thinking is like, you know, beauties and the beast, right? Like have some sort of sound, like a beauty, like, Oh, Oh, like kind of deal. You know what I mean? Oh. And, and then like a beast, like a roaring tiger or something behind it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just, you know what I'm consider th- it done. Well, you know, consider what, it done. That's I like. I, that. I just I'm yeah. thinking like I'm thinking of us on radio, like as if this was on radio, and all those stupid little yep. like horned horn dog little yeah, sounds yeah, yeah. and all this other crap. <laughs> so I'm thinking like you know beauties. Oh oh my or and then oh, and the beast ooh, ooh, or better. something like you know what I mean. Just so, exactly <sighs> some yeah. that would just fall into <laughs> our program. Like we're we like making fun of ourselves. We like Good. being goofy. So I don't know. That's just off the top of my head. But yeah, I I I'd be no, down. I think you're right. I think that's and then you know what? That's something think... that we can actually uh you know in more engagement with the fans. What do you guys think of our what do you guys think yeah. of our little intro yeah. to Beauties and the Beast? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Do you think it's stupid? And quite frankly, we can change it up throughout the season too. Like we just because we put something True. out on season episode True. one, uh doesn't mean we have to live with it for the rest of the season. If our fans come back and say, What the hell are you guys doing? All right, exactly. we'll try something else. Or you know what? Our fans should submit something, submit ideas, Ooh, maybe, and maybe yeah. we'll make that happen. So who but, knows? Like but it It'd certainly cool seems to be our our best uh, segment. So you know what? Let's we'll hang on to that. We probably. will, yeah. So I, I and you know what? Like quite frankly, at this point now, I think we're well well into it. This is not our first episode for for our second season. Although, oh my god, like I'm so pumped for a second season. Too, it's not even too. funny. However, the preseason special this is going to be fun too. Like we do have a really good show lined up. Uh, we just went over the notes and we've got a lot to talk about. Shockingly, um, we'll try. We're going to do our best to not, I know we've, we've spoken to some of our fans and they don't mind the two, sometimes two and a half hour long segments, the two parters and things like that. We can't help it. We just talk a lot, but we are going to try, try and, our best. And, and squish that down uh, and just try not to <laughs> try not to ramble on for too, too long anymore uh, and try to keep things at, at an understandable or a reasonable, like one, one and a half hour. But, you know, forgive us if we happen to go off on a tangent and it ends up being another two hour show. Sorry, we can't help ourselves. We love hockey, especially fans. Apologies in advance, everyone. Yeah, but this is the only time I'm going to apologize for it. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, big announcement, quite frankly, although if you follow us on Twitter, you already know this is possibly old news for you. But I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how how to explain this. Uh, thank you so much. Goes off goes out to on the bench with B. Quite frankly, without them, I'm not sure we would be um, about. Well, I'm not sure we would be doing what I'm about to say. We're doing. We got we're picked up by a, a, a network called the Hockey Focus, uh, and we're very lucky to join them. They've 
man, they piled on a whole bunch of really, really great shows in the off season. Uh, they're up to 13 shows now, like the pod street bullies. Uh, the most recent ones, I think top corner hockey talk, double digit inside the puck chirping yotes, uh, on the bench with beaks, later rivals, um, Swedish junior hockey podcast, pigeonhole hockey, uh, e show, uh, stall talk and their bread and butter were everything started out for them was the junior hockey podcast. Um, couldn't be happier to be joining this really great cast of uh, podcasts. It's a great one-stop shopper. But I love the idea that fantasy hockey, junior hockey coming together makes a lot of sense. You know, you're kind of watching these guys come up. You're like, oh, uh, see, I hear about these guys because I listen to two Glag. So it makes a lot of sense. So to hop on over to the uh, the hockey focus and have a listen to all their podcasts. We couldn't be more happy to be part of this uh, of this network. And like Marty was mentioning, uh, it's it's not um, a specific type of, of podcast. They really do have a broad uh, a scope of, of, of the type of podcasts that are on the network. So you know what? Uh, give them a look-see. Uh, the Junior Hockey Podcast, so tjhpodcast.com. Uh, check them out, and basically you can find all the podcasts that uh, Marty mentioned there. Another thing I want to mention is a um, so a bit of a new f- format for us. We're, we're dropping a segment. We're dropping the Oily Hab segment. Um, unf- <laughs> I think... One of the major reasons for that is because about halfway through the year, when you're following a team that's in the middle of a rebuild, halfway through the season, there's not much to talk about. Things get pretty repetitive. So, yeah. So we decided, you know what? Uh, It's not enough to uh, to do a hockey podcast where we're talking specifically about two teams. We, We we're trying to stay in the fantasy wheelhouse, so sticking with two teams doesn't make much sense so yes still our favorite teams uh the canadians and the oilers uh in fact at some point i believe we will be doing some things on youtube but uh you know pump the brakes a little bit on that not sure exactly to what but you know stay close to our twitter account to find out that kind of stuff um but uh yeah i mean you know let's just branch out Yeah, exactly i mean we're just not going to focus on them so much and fear not if you think as a montreal canadians fan and my cohort here Uh, As an Edmonton fan, if you guys think we're not going to be talking about our teams, hey, listen, somewhere along the lines, we're going to get into it. it. So fear not, you'll definitely get your Habs and Oilers uh, throughout the year. Don't worry about that. We will make sure of that. No worries. Absolutely. There's always always something to talk about from the Habs perspective. Because it's it's the Habs, like their original six, they're a great storied franchise, and there's always something to talk about my Oilers because they're a better team than the Habs. Well, well, so well, there's let's, that. Let's just hold the brakes. Let's put the brakes on here. Let's just watch out. Yeah. Oh, let's okay, be realistic. Man. Come on. Um, we also got a new logo, uh, and it was created by my wonderfully talented, beautiful, multi-talented wife. Uh, she was so nice to offer to do it for us. Um, and quite frankly, I think it came together in all of like 30 minutes. She already had a vision for it. And then when I basically told her go, she went and she came out with something it, and it was it instantly, it, is it was, it it is was good hot. stuff, man. She did a great yeah. job. And, uh, at some point I'll have to put a picture of it, but we also got it on these nice, Nice yes. new mugs that we've got. We went and picked up and oh, put the yes, logo on baby. it. Oh, moving right along. End of the summer series, NHL draft and free agency. Mike, what's that all about? Well, listen, once the year is over, of course, you know, we're going to ha- hop on hiatus. And we're going to take a little bit of a break ourselves and, and enjoy the summer. But we still want you guys to have uh, little nuggets here and there throughout uh, throughout the year. Obviously, this preseason special being one of them. Uh, and of course, like Marty just uh, alluded to, our end of the day summer series. Um, for those who have listened quite a bit to the podcast, you know that we tend to lean on certain sayings. Uh, end of the day being one of them. So we just thought we'd make fun of ourselves and start a little summer series to, with that. It's been known to happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, here and there, here and there. <laughs> a couple of times. So yeah. we, are, we are going to be taking care of both the NHL draft and the <clears throat> NHL free agency when those two events uh, uh, come around. We're going to go over some uh, analysis of who we think is going to be taken where, uh, kind of do a little bit of a deep dive in regards to these uh, these two events. But uh, yeah, we want to make sure that, you know, we give you guys a little bit extra, uh, even when we finish up our quote unquote regular season, I guess, for the year. Uh, and uh, just wanted to announce to you guys, uh, end of the day, summer series will be coming to you next that should be fun that should be something different but also just to show you guys that as a fantasy owner uh off season means something it Uh, doesn't you gotta pay attention you get off it really doesn't uh for as much as we we do take some time off and we do breathe i'll be honest when i'm on vacation i go on my phone and i look up hockey information news all that kind of stuff trying to stay on that because quite frankly i want it i want to know what it is it's not because i do the podcast i was doing it before the podcast so it's a lot of fun so it's good that we're going to be introducing <clears throat> another segment and again you know and at the end of the day calling it that that's just beautiful it is i wonder who thought of that uh so <laughs> lastly uh the last thing i want to mention this is kind of a this is kind of going out to uh, as a thank you to the fans uh we're doing another contest because we did one earlier uh in the year but for the uh that was for the uh dauber um yeah dauber magazine dauber magazine we're doing another one uh we've got some Bumper stickers, actually, two glags, some swag. We finally got some swag, uh, and we have some bumper stickers that we like to give out. Um, and Mike, now I'm realizing right now what, like, what do fans actually have to do? I don't think we actually na- landed on something, but what I'm thinking, go to our Twitter page. You know, uh, we'll post something on Twitter page. We're going to have a picture of the bumper sticker, and maybe if you like it and retweet it, something like that, right? Let's get. How, how's about this, folks? I, I think we can all meet in the middle here. Let's give us a like. Let's give us a retweet. And why don't you go ahead and press that follow button for us, too? That'd be nice. Just give we us a little kick in the rear that. end, you know? Yeah. Yes, we would. Yes, We, we would. love the love, and we want to give it back. And we will, through bumper stickers. <laughs> Getting our swag out there, and hopefully we'll have a little bit more throughout the year. It's something that Marty and I are definitely going to be working on here yes. in the coming months. So uh, trying uh, Possibly some hats. Yes, some yes. shirts. Keep an eye on that. Maybe hopefully, a banner or two. Hopefully, yeah, by the end of the, hopefully by the end of the year, we have a nice little uh, cachet for you folks. That's a... Uh, that's the plan. Nice. Let's see what happens. It's a way of giving back. That's all we're trying to say. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's get, have ourselves a show. Let's get into it. So we've still got the three segments um, that we kept. So this is, this is the new format, essentially. Round the boards. Check my fanny. And the, the, the favorite, the gold standard, Beauties and the Beasts. You got that right. So let's... We're going to start with around the boards. And so... Right off top here, I think we kind of need to address there's like this new thing, this new trend in the NHL. And I think you know what I'm getting at here. You should because you, oh, you're yes. in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> the eight-year contracts. Now, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm at a loss for this as to why this is like such an overwhelming trend. But before I get too deep into it, let me just talk about what happened in the offseason. This offseason alone, what we saw in eight-year contracts, we saw Cairo, Stutz, Stutzel, Huberto, Kachuk, Norris, Sorelli, Sergachev, Thomas Forsberg. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to suggest that any of these players don't necessarily deserve it. But this is the bigger conversation that I wanted to have with Mike. What is up with these eight-year contracts? Do you see this like do you see this as being a smart move? Like I know it depends on the player, depends on the team. There's cap spaces, things like that you need to take in consideration. But it, it's hard to ignore the fact that this is clearly a trend. 
Um, because beyond the eight-year contract, we've also got some sneaky seven-year contracts that came in there. And Goudreau, Tage Thompson, Kadri, Fiala, Fox, Trocek, Paul. These are seven-year contracts where some of those players don't necessarily jump out maybe as much as the other ones. You know, maybe there's there's even some eight-year contracts that don't make any sense, but the seven-year contracts make more sense and all that kind of stuff. So obviously it depends on the player, depends on the term and all that kind of stuff. But as a trend, do you see this? Like, why why is it happening now? Do you think there's a reason for it? I, I do. I mean, to a certain degree here, you can go back a number of years and you used to get a contract for what you had done and what you had right. produced. That is now flipped and you are now getting, and, and it's, it's been like this for a little while. I mean, I'm not going to go into specific number of years here, but let's say, yeah. oh, I don't know, uh, let's say within the last decade for sure, where you are mm-hmm. now being paid more for what you can do or what they feel you will do throughout a contract. Uh, going over yeah, all there's definitely there's definitely more money being shelled out for hype yeah. than ever before and that's that's where i think this is a problem the other the other point to me is the fact that you are now going you have now gone from a, what i'll call a veteran uh league to now a a younger man's game uh these kids are so much more important so much earlier in their careers true. And, and and i just Very true. and i just feel that you you now have these general managers, and, and and it always starts with a trend. It starts with a couple of them, and then it just kind of starts a snowball, right? Yeah. And I just feel like throughout the NHL, with all of these names uh, that you mentioned, these are uh, general managers who are basically saying, you know what, I'm locking this person up, and 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 a lot of, and I actually, before I go any further, I'm all for it. Okay. And the reason I am all for it is because. In a lot of cases, I'm not saying in every case here, but I'm just saying if you can, sometimes you can get that player at a little bit less than what it's going to end up being down the road. Um, now, listen, I, I may, sure. may, maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but I'll go right into what I had, uh, what I have written down here, and I'm focusing in on the Ottawa Senators. Now, I'm going to rhyme, rhyme off some names and some numbers here for you, and then I'll I'll get into it after that. Drake Batherson, six years, 4.97 AAV, and he's got five years remaining. Brady Kachuk at seven years. He's at 8.205 AAV with six years remaining. Josh Norris, eight years, 7.95 AAV, eight years remaining. Tim Stutzla, eight years, 8.35 AAV with eight years remaining. And there's one year left on an ELC, by the way. So that's a nine-year nine years uh, time span. And then you've got Shabbat finishing it up. Eight years, eight million AAV with six years remaining. The reason why I'm picking on, actually, I'm not picking on the Senators. I'm putting them on a damn pedestal is because if I'm the gen- if I'm the general manager of that team, Pierre Dorian, I don't know how much happier I can be in regards to the amount <laughs> of money that I have my core locked up for moving the next at least five years. Batherson's got five years left. Everybody else has more. You got five years with this that core group, and Marty, there is not a one player, and I know you can see the numbers sitting right on your screen. There's not one of them that's over eight point five million dollars. Now you go that's throughout impressive. the league, and y- y- yes, you've got greater goal scores in Matthews. You may have an assist m- machine in Marner. You can go down the floor to talk to me about uh, uh, Kachuk. You can talk to me about Goudreau over in Columbus. All great players. We can dive into them at some other point, and I'm sure those contracts are probably decent at best, or uh, decent at the very least. Yeah. What Ottawa 
what the Ottawa Senators have done, and, and this is why I wanted to focus on Ottawa, I feel every last player that I just named off to you through the through the length of those contracts, I mean, as it stands right now, and, and the the um piece of the pie that we've seen from these players so far, yeah, I can I, I, I'd be very, very comfortable in saying that every last one of these contracts, all five that I just rhymed off, are all going to be excellent contracts throughout the whole contract. I mean, that's the hope, anyways, right? But Drake, I mean, Drake, and, and, and I'll, I'll even poke so much at Drake Batherson. <laughs> four, four, I mean, guys, we've talked about him on our podcast last year. This yeah. is an 80, 85 point player, and he is yep. not making $5 million for the next then five years. The... <laughs> like, are you kidding uh, me? So, uh... so when I say I'm in for this type of contract, Yes, there is always the fear that you will overpay if you don't, if you're not a good negotiator, I guess, at the end of the day, because I'm sorry, but what Ottawa did is they locked these guys up before they, in some cases, not all of them, I I believe Batherson showed some flashes and then they signed them, but they're not waiting for a, a player to show them two and three years of 80 or 85 points. What's that? Batherson? Okay, no problem. I mean, you've got to be kidding me, dude. I mean, we're going to be talking, Marty, we're going to be sitting here four years from now, and this guy is still not making $5 million. $5 million. 80, 80 to 85 points, first line. Like, look at this power play is going to be ridiculous this year. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's just so, so for me, all I'll say about the eight and seven year contracts, if done right, these things can set your team up massively. And odd and and if anybody needs an example, you head to uh Cap Friendly, you head to the Ottawa Senators, and you take a gander and you tell me you aren't a happy, a happy person after seeing that, especially if you're a sensor. And that's the thing. And what I love about how the senators went out and did this is they gave themselves the flexibility to sprinkle in veteran like Claude Giroux, um, uh, and even a Cam Talbot, who will We'll talk about, unfortunately, a little bit later in the show. Um, you can still sprinkle in some extra talent where you need be. Now, one area that they weren't able to really do much with was defense. And they got a bit of a hole there. Mm-hmm. But all that aside, because we're talking contracts right now, these contracts, like you mentioned, one, two, three, four. So these five players, they got a five-year window with these players. The rest of the supporting cast obviously is going to be taking less. And the sprinkling of veterans over top of this makes this for a really great plan. It, on paper, this sounds like exactly the kind of thing you want to do. You've got your five great players that your entire team kind of revolves around. Without these five, I want to I don't want to say like let's say you take Batherson cuz he could be taken out of the equation, we all know why. If he ends up out of the equation, you're still left with a pretty solid four, but that's a big hole. Without Batherson in there, I'm not sure you're completely capable to recover from that. Now, I understand they've also got, um, they went out and they picked up, um, wow, the brain cat. Um, so he should also be included in all this, but he hasn't resigned for anything. But if you were to just look at this, what uh, Dorian formulated in terms of a plan, I got these five players. Mm-hmm. I got them all within five-year window. And this is what we're going to push for for the next five years with these five players. Look at what he's been able to do around them. Your Debrinkat, your Giroux, your Talbot. Holy geez, man. This is exactly how you should take 
this kind of a plan and put it into motion. And I'm actually not necessarily completely for the eight or seven year contract on the players that haven't necessarily proven themselves to my liking yet. The I'm on I I was going to go into this on the other side, but it's really hard to argue the point for this to work when you look at a team like Ottawa and how they did it. That's why I was very happy to see what you put down there in terms of Ottawa's plan because it's, it's fucking beautiful. Well, and I mean, you know, going right back to what you said at the top there, Marty, because you set yourself up, and I, I, I won't go too, too any more further into the sends in this year and, and the contracts, but the way that they've set them up, they've given themselves a chance now to be able to sign that to brink it. And that's not a worry. That's not so much of a concern. Yeah. Listen, I know that there's probably going to be a little bit of money that they may have to move around. Maybe they get rid of one or two guys, whatever whatever the case is. Yeah. But to piggyback even on top of that, you've given yourself the opportunity to be in the conversation for Jacob Chikrin. I'm not saying that True. I'm not saying Ottawa gets him, but because of the way you've structured your contracts, because of the way you either played hardball, hometown discount, whatever, whatever happened to get these contracts, you are yeah. now going to reap the benefits benefits of that. And you may be, you know, a defense, bit of a sore spot. Maybe they're maybe now because of that, they're able to make that move. It certainly sounds like Ottawa is going to be the team that they're the hardest one in on them. It sounds like Edmonton's been sniffing around too, but because of the way you went about your business, now you can get this done. So, uh, you know, look, props to the Ottawa Senators. Flat uh, out. Absolutely, 100%. Now, if, I'm, if I may just pull it back a little bit, what I'm going to say in regards to this concept of eight or seven-year plans and specifically what I wanted to talk about was a player like Paige Thompson where, so, you know, good player. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. Um, a lot of promise, a lot of hope. Last year was phenomenal. What was it, 34 goals yeah. or possibly even more than that? Um, yeah, like I can see him at least from a player's perspective coming to Buffalo and saying, yo, this is kind of what I want. I want the seven year deal. And I can see Buffalo justifiably considering this as an option. Obviously they ended up signing him. So they went full, they went all the way with it. But my, my biggest concern with something like that is I'm not completely convinced that, to me, Tage Thompson is more deserving of a bridge contract than a seven-year contract. Okay. I think that makes more sense for Buffalo. But because Tage, and I'm, I'm sure his, his agent knew this, you saw the landscape of everything. And all they had to do was point to somebody else and say, you know what, he got it, yeah. so we want it. And now that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about players who legitimately don't really deserve it and have potentially, potentially just had a sniffing of like one good year where it's not even 30 plus goals. It's like, you know, 25 goals and 20 assists and they're getting the seven year contract regardless of money, but they're going to get the seven year contract because they get to point to somebody else and say, well, they got it too. My fear is that there's going to be a lot more of that down the road. And those kinds of things are going to hurt the structure of other teams that for one, probably can't keep up with the other teams that can afford to do these kinds of contracts. And for two, don't really want to. And like, I'm not Jim Neal here. But which, quite frankly, what the hell is Robertson still not doing sign? But anyways, um, I'm not trying to pull from Jim Neal here, but maybe I am a little bit by saying, I'm sorry, but there's still value to the bridge contract. We should still be seeing more bridge contracts than seven or eight year contracts. I'm not sure we did. I think this offseason, I think we saw more eight year contracts or in seven year contracts than we did bridge. And I think that's just the way it goes. The fact that the cap, the salary cap is going to be increased. Is it next year? 
I want to say the thing goes up by what is it at now? Like eighty two or something like that. It gets up to like it's eighty two. I think it gets up to like nine. It gets up to like ninety in like three or four years, I think, or something like that, doesn't it? It's three or four. Okay. So my feeling is that that's kind of where this is coming from. Is that you're going to have the cap space down the road. So do it now because if you don't do it now. And if you and you put the bridge contract again, Thompson is an example. Let's say you give them the bridge for three years, and in three years, you know, salary caps jump through the roof. You're going to overpay for Tage because not only has he potentially had one, maybe two more seasons in between there where he's had phenomenal success, but two, he knows you've got the money now and you've got the room to play with it. So he's going to demand more. So doing that contract now makes more sense now, and I can under I can appreciate that. But again, my biggest fear with this is that those who are undeserving are going to latch on to the ones that are deserving and everybody gets, you get a car, you get a car, you know, the Oprah meme, whatever, yeah, oh like yeah. everyone gets a car. Like it's, I think it's going to get a little bit out of control and it's going to be very uncomfortable for certain teams and I'm not necessarily a big fan of it. So, Well, I mean, when it comes to Tage Thompson, I think, I think the best way that I can put this is with some of the other players and, and yeah, maybe, you know, in particular, like a Batherson that I just mentioned, maybe he was an unknown commodity at that point too. But I think where that, that feeling where you're just not sure and and that you're touching on right now is, is when it is a kind of an unknown commodity, like Tage Thompson, you know, he's kind of been in a couple of organizations now, you know, he was kind of expected, you know, bigger guy. So yeah, maybe it does take a little bit of extra time for, you know, it does take a little bit of extra time for these bigger power forwards to kind of find their way in the NHL. Sometimes they don't. In this case, obviously Tage did. Um, I, I just, uh, he did for one year. Well, and, and, like, I mean, just say, I'm just saying, well, I'm just kind of what happens when he loses Skinner. No, ex- exactly. And, and, and I'm backing up your point in regards to that. Cause what I'm trying to get to is, a guy like a Trocheck, a little bit more of a known commodity. Listen, I'm not saying yep. he was deserving of the seven-year contract. Like we, that's another debate we can have in another day. I'm just talking yeah. about yeah. you. You as as a manager would probably feel more comfortable giving him that length of contract because, hey, listen, we've seen the the, the sample size that Trocheck has given us. The guy can put points up. He can put seventy points up. He can put seventy. So it's more of a known commodity, right? Whereas, yeah, where, that's right. whereas maybe a guy like and. You know, I, I I guess I don't want to say too much about Nick Paul because it's such a great contract in regards to the actual dollar value. It, it's not, yeah. you know what I mean? It's not so, it's not, I believe it's something like three point something million, I think it is or something like that. I, so, I yeah. have to double check it, but yeah. I mean, guys like Fox, guys like Fiala, I mean, even Fiala, right? That, that may be a bit, a bit of a better comparison. He's just a little bit more of a known commodity. And I know I keep going over that same term, but with Tage, it was last year. And like you say, that was it. And then he gets, and then it. he got a seven-year deal. I think it was right. Uh, anyway, yeah. And, yeah, and and I believe it was upwards of like seven or seven point five million, I think, or something to that effect. But it, total is fifty million. Well, it's forty-nine. Oh, okay, so so it is. So, so it is set, seven. A little is, over seven. A little over seven per year. Yeah. So listen again. We could be talking here about Tage Thompson three years down the road, and this contract is aging very, very well. Like, I mean. You know, obviously, absolutely, obviously, Kevin, absolutely, Kevin Adams is taking a risk, just like any other manager took a risk giving any of these eight years or seven year contracts out. I think where it comes down, at least from a point of view of a fantasy manager like you and I, Marty, is is this person, does this individual have a, a big enough sample size for me to be like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. You know what? I think it comes yeah. down to that. And do they have a little bit of a body of work to, to behind what's going on? 
Yes, yeah. yes, Thompson had a great year. Yes, he broke out. Uh, you know, yes, he's an imposing figure, and you could see him doing well with with, with that team and, and see him producing. Yeah. Is he worth that money? I think uh, this is definitely a case, and, and listen, I'm for the eight and the seven-year contracts when done properly. I think this was one, and if I'm not mistaken, Marty, I believe he had one year left on his contract. I don't think he was... Yes. So why didn't you wait to see... In his case, in his case... Why didn't you wait and say, you know what, do it for me again, and then we'll talk. I have no yeah. problem giving you fifty million over seven years. Do it for me again, and if he does, That's and it. if he doesn't, you pull the reins back. Easy as pie. And and if he does, yeah. And, and he honestly, does, if he does, if he he does, maybe maybe you pay basically what it would be an extra year. Maybe you're going up to fifty-seven million now because of it. You know what? Maybe maybe he yep. wants the extra million per year, or now. maybe he gets a nice signing bonus when when you exactly. finally cave and give him that contract. Exactly. Like, so I mean, it's there not, are other ways to do you it. You got it. You got it. So I mean, yeah. I totally agree with, with you. With Tage, I feel the contract is more on the side of you could deserve you this rather it. than you did deserve yeah. this. And it just if that's the trend, then that's troublesome to me. That that's, that's problematic, and I I don't think that's the right direction that NHL teams should be going into, but. I think there's a lot, I like through talking about it with you here, it's obvious. There's a lot to take into consideration with why this trend came out this year. And I think one of the big reasons is the salary cap going up considerably in the, in, in the, in the very near future. And the other side of thing is there's, uh, there's been a, a very obvious change of how hockey is played sp- like on the ice, how it's played yeah. and how, and what it means to be a veteran, what it means to be, a rookie, what it means to be a young kid in this game. It's not at all what it used to be. Like you can, you could literally build an entire team of nothing but young kids and they would be competitive in today's hockey versus 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Absolutely not. not. You may not even, you may not even have a rookie on your roster. No. And and if, if you attempted to do that, the team you're facing would smash those kids' heads in the board so fast they would forfeit by the end of the mm-hmm. first period. It's just how hockey was played back yeah. then. Now today, with the things you're allowed to do today and couldn't do back – or sorry, things that you uh, can't do today were allowed to do back then – it's why the game has opened up. It's why the game has gotten a little bit more exciting, a little bit more entertaining. I know some will say, the, the purists will say, no, it's not. All I see are fancy deeks and, and, and fancy moves and, and people not playing defense and there's no hitting and there's not as much fighting. And da, da, da. Like, Yeah, I get that aspect too. But we've grown. We've evolved. Hockey has evolved. We've learned a lot of things, specifically about concussions and what, how we should be living our lives within these sports. Um, and I think that has actually helped. You know, as long as these kids and and why won't they continue to produce so early in their careers? You're going to get these these uh, these types of contracts, these big contracts for these young kids. Um, the, the the one thing that I will say is, uh, I, there will be some of these contracts over the course of of time here uh, that will age poorly. But I just don't know if it will be as many as maybe we as fans would think. All right. Um, before we move on to check my fanny, one thing, a couple of things I just wanted to mention, maybe get your opinion on real quick. Mm-hmm. Talbot out five to seven weeks. Uh, do you think Ottawa can recover from that? Uh, I actually think that they will be able to mitigate that. Uh, I'm not saying that they're okay. not going to go through maybe a small mini dip or a little dip here at some point over the next five to seven weeks. Let's just call it what it is about a month and a half. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think I 
Forsberg showed me up, showed me enough last year. I think they may be okay yeah. there. I think he can handle the bulk of the games. I know they went out and got they picked somebody up from Seattle, uh, Helberg. Helberg. So yeah. they got a little bit of depth yeah. in that state to help them out. Uh, I you know I don't know too much about Helberg. I know he's been in the league before, uh, and I believe he has gotten some NHL games in, but. You know, listen. Five. Okay, well, hey, there you go. So so I was right. You got some NHL games in. Um, but I do think they can mitigate it. Um, the only thing that worries yeah. me is, as with anything, you know, is is he going to come back and is he is he going to be fully ready to go? Like, is this going to be something that rears its ugly head for another four months down the road after he gets back or or whatever? So, you know, let, let's, hope that, yeah. let's hope the best for Cam. I'm sure the guy wanted to put his best foot forward, especially with a up-and-coming team like the Sens. Um, so, yeah. you know, all the best for him. I'm, I'm sure it's, it's something, uh, I don't want to say it's minor there cause it's an injury. So, uh, you know, the guy's got to yeah. deal with it, but it's keeping him out, but I think the sense yeah. will be okay. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I do see them, you know, like you said, having their issues because I, at the end of the day, they're not, they're not out there putting their one their number one goalie out there. But I think because of that, they're going to shift maybe a little bit and lean heavier on what they've got, which is a plethora of offensive skills. So I think because of that, they're going to be fine. Um, offensively speaking, this is a very gifted team, and they're going to be okay. So you're going to see a lot of games that are probably going to end up somewhere around the realms of like you know your five fours, your five threes, things like that, where you know high scoring, letting in a lot of goals, maybe a few too many, but still coming up with a win. Uh, at the end of the day, a win is a win. But you're right. I think Forsberg can do a better job um, this year. He's grown a little bit more. Last year, he ended up with a nine fourteen save percentage and two eighty, I believe, goals against with a 21 and 17 record like he proved that he can do it and last year's team was obviously they're not as good as this year's team they were still basically the same team but they've added some pretty important pieces this year that they're they're different enough especially offensively they got some holes on defense that what that's kind of where Talbot comes in but at the end of the day they're an offensive first team and out of the gates that's exactly what they're going to be uh Marner on D does that make sense to you um well, I'm I'm sure your dad would probably love it, and I'm sure uh, he would love to, he would love to <laughs> yep. put him he would love to put him on his D in our fantasy league. Um, listen, absolutely. Listen, uh, I, I'm all for it. I mean, Marty, I, I really think that these are the types of things that we could probably see moving forward as we you know uh, move on through the life that is hockey uh, in the NHL. I don't think this is going to be the last time we see something like this. Um, you know, it's been done before back in the day with Sergei Probably Fedorov not. and, and, uh, you know, we had to institute a rule in our uh, fantasy league because of it. The Tom yeah. Shearer rule. Tom um, Shear. Thank you very much, Tom Shear. Mr. Predictions. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, um, in regards to Marner on D, I think it may, it, you know, it makes sense to try it out. Like, you know, did they stick with it? Who knows? But to at least try it yeah. out and, and play around with it just to, sure. just to see, I mean, you never know what, like, you know. Fast forward to the playoffs. Maybe they're you know an elimination game, and and they got to pass. Maybe you throw something. You know, it's just like a trick play in football, right? Like I mean, it doesn't have the exact same, uh, um, um, you know, reaction. I guess so, to, so to speak. But you know, you throw something different out there for somebody. I mean, heck, uh, a defenseman moving like Marner does. You know, maybe able to sidestep somebody, and, and and God knows what can happen. So, you know, I'm all for it, especially with the fact that it, it seems like right now it's something they're just experimenting with. But uh, even if they did use it in the game, I, I wouldn't, 
I could honestly tell you right now, I don't think I'd have a problem with it at all. Well, according to Keith, uh, apparently he's got a plethora, a plethora, sorry, a video that shows that Marner's already doing it. He's got tons of uh, defensive skills already proven, especially on the power play where he usually plays point anyways. Um, he's got some great stats in terms of keeping the puck uh, in the offensive zone on five on five. Uh, I forget the exact uh, acronym that they uh, that I read about it today, but apparently Marner's already kind of halfway doing it. So I like the idea that it's also situational. They're not saying he's not going to turn into like an all-full-time defenseman. It'll depend on the situation. Mm-hmm. And if they incorporate that into situations where he was already doing it anyways, this is kind of really just a foregone conclusion then. He was already doing it. Nothing really is going to change. But if you get, like you said, from a fantasy perspective, perspective, if you get to add him as a D instead of a four for week, holy jeez, are you freaking kidding me? Because like, if he's got that next to him, yeah, you dress he, him as a D. He doesn't play D the whole week. He's just well, playing next to Matthews. You're raking it in. Like it, That makes him, at I mean, that point, in terms of a fantasy perspective, don't harp on me here, folks, but in terms of a fantasy perspective, if Marner gets that, it puts him in the upper echelon of the McCars and McDavid. It might even put him ahead of them. Just because he plays with so many great players, he's already a great player, and now he's got forward and D with him? Come on. I mean, That's I, not fair. I mean, think about it. In our own fantasy league, instead of having nine forwards, you'd basically be dressing 10. Yep. And you'd have three defense Instead of the four defensemen, because Marner being down there, you end, you end up having three. So, so that's a cheat code. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> it, 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 it kind of is, for sure. Uh, and which which Tom so took advantage of, and I would have done the same thing. Absolutely, well. yeah. Uh, no, no, no rules were in place at the time, so yeah. go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, no, I, I'm... I'm all for it, and I again, like I say, if it's something that even we even see during the regular season, I'm I'm actually all for it. I don't have a problem okay. with it. All right, moving. Well, actually, sorry. Right before we get into check my fanny, I just uh, virtual billboards. Did you see it? Oh yeah, I saw oh, it. Fuck. And I already have my and I already have my answer. Okay, yay or nay? It's a it, it it's a big fuck no. Oh, for fuck's sakes, it's so stupid. Hey, honestly, no, God, like I, I, from I listen, I get it. Advertisers want to make more money. This has nothing to do with hockey. This has absolutely nothing to do with hockey. I think everybody knows that. So, you know, of course, the the hockey guys don't like it. It doesn't make any sense. And I do agree one person, I think it was somebody from the, um, uh, on Twitter, one of the podcasts, actually, the, um, well, the late arrivals, they had said it's really too busy. May not have been them, but anyways, too busy. Kind of takes away from the game, and I couldn't. And I it couldn't is. agree more, especially for the casual fans who don't necessarily watch hockey all the time. They're easily going to be distracted by it. Because I'll be honest, when I first saw it, I just watched the play, and it didn't bother me. And then I read what the play, what the tweet was all about. I was like, oh, this is about virtual beer billboards. Let me go back to it. I watched it again. I was like, oh my god, now that I know, now I'm annoyed. It's brutal, and it is brutal. And let me just end this little piece by saying this much. Never in my life have I ever seen a billboard and thought to myself, huh, I should go buy that. Just putting that out there. Yeah, me too. I, the same, same thing. So I, to me, I, I, and I've seen some of the highlights. I was, I was watching some of the games uh, last night and yes, it is distracting. It is very distracting to, I've been watching hockey my whole life here and, I'm sorry. Give me the regular advertising on the boards. I, I just leave them there. <laughs> don't have any of this tech stuff. Yeah. Like I mean, we don't need. We it. already know I'm a tech dinosaur. It is. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I don't need to get into it when I'm watching my damn hockey. It's game. unnecessary. Nobody asked for it, and it's certainly something that we can live without. So why even bother? Moving on. Check my fanny, everybody. Check it out. No, listen. Yeah, we had our fanny. Yeah. So we had 
our uh, our um, our draft uh, last week. Was it last week? Or the week before? It was two weeks ago. It would have. Was it two weeks uh, ago? 25th of September. Okay. 25th of September. So it was a little while ago. It wasn't yesterday. So <clears throat> we can we can talk about, I'm not going to go through all the players and stuff, but I'm, I'm going to sort of overview. So we've got eight teams. And with each team, we were allowed to protect, uh, what was it? Uh, 12 players. 12 players plus. A total of 12. Plus two fantasy. Two future, future stars. Future stars, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, two future stars. So 12 times eight, you can do the math, guys. And like by the time you reach the draft, the, your top players, uh, tell me what, what would you have considered to be the top player that was available uh, during the regardless of the one you picked? To, to, give, to give you <laughs> listeners out there an example, the best forward that was available would have been uh, Mark Shifley. Shifley, that's it. Yeah. Uh, best best defenseman projection wise would have been uh, Shea Theodore. Although uh, my pick at number one of Miro Heiskanen will come back to haunt that. Um, we'll see. And also on, well, I think so. I'm pretty. I'm okay. feeling pretty confident. I hope so. And I believe I believe the top goaltender out there was probably Mark Andre Fleury that was available, yeah. at least in regards to amount of games that he's going to play and stuff. Yep. So just to give you listeners out there an idea of what we kind of had to work with, that was uh, that's kind of what we had there. So it's I wouldn't say it's slim pickings, but you know you got to do your homework. You got to know what you're doing going you do. into you this because you can't just sort of say, okay, well, let me look at the projections list of whatever players are left, and I'll start picking up. No. You're quickly after, I would say after round, yeesh, Jesus, after round two, you're in the realm of if you don't do your homework, these players can make or break your season because these are the sneaky ones you yep. get to throw in for because of injury or because players aren't playing that week or whatever else. COVID, maybe that happens too, who knows? But that's where the nitty gritty homework really comes in handy. And you can't just rely on the list of, he, they say this is the next best player, so I'm going to pick him. That doesn't win yeah. you championships. You got to do your homework going into it. And luckily for me, I did not have a pick in the first round. <laughs> so I was already behind the eight ball. I tend to do this, folks. I tend to tend to trade away my picks. And every year, every single year, I swear I'm not going to do it again. And every single and year I do. <laughs> and I did it again this year. Man, yes, now, you mind you, I traded a first. Uh, and I managed to pick up more picks as well as two future stars. So I, I ended up on the on the on the better end of all this, and strategically it made sense. However, I did abandon my. I swear I'm not going to pledge like I always do. Um, but in the first it's round, right. you, so you, you, you traded. You did all right. I, you did, all right. I did okay. I, I'm not worried this year. Uh, a little bit in nets, but we'll get to that in a second. So, so you traded for the first overall pick. So it wasn't enough that you won last season. You needed first overall. Well, pick. yeah. So I, what did you give up for the pick? Well, I get, I ended up giving before we got our protected list in. I ended up giving up um, a first round mid season coming up this year in January. Yeah. And Jordan Cairo. Yeah. Um, the reason for doing that is because it was fairly deep in forwards uh, in regards to yeah. players that can that can do some damage for you. Yeah. So I just said to myself, okay, well, why don't I shuffle that off? get the first overall pick. And I, I will be honest with you because of, because of the fact I was only going into the draft with two goaltenders, both Shishterkin and Sorokin. I was looking at flurry. Okay. Uh, once, at least once the, uh, uh, the protected list uh, did come out. Um, but I was going to go goaltender okay. for sure. Uh, no matter what was available, I kind of, you know, I really wanted to make sure that was taken care of. So, 
once the protected list come out and I did see Mira Heiskinen, I just, I'm, I'm really pretty high on this guy, especially with Klingberg out of the way. Yeah. Um, so in all reality, as soon as that individual became available through, uh, once we got our, our protected list in and we saw everybody who was available, I kind of honed in on him and flipped from, uh, from flurry, taking a little bit of a gamble and saying to myself, okay, maybe I'll just get one, a one a or a one B later on the draft. So that's basically the story of why Mira Heiskanen was picked number one. All right. Well, is it so is Heiskanen really the guy that you felt was going to be someone you were going to look at in round three or four? Or were you always high on Heiskanen like this whole offseason? Well, I'll be honest with you. It, it's um, I mean, I'm I've always been high on the guy. Okay. Um, I, I personally didn't, if I'm being honest, I did not think, I actually thought your brother was going to keep four defensemen because forward forward was so deep. Um, and I know he already had three uh, goaltenders, which, and the reason I'm explaining this, folks, is because with our 12 protected, uh, Joel, owner of the Apocalypse, would have had three goaltenders and four defensemen, so seven of his 12 spots already taken and only had five forwards. Um, I felt that, potentially uh, that may have been the way he was going to go just so that basically he wouldn't have to look at a defenseman until that's true round six round five or six which wouldn't have been a bad strategy i i don't think so because we were so deep in forwards there were enough forwards there that i think that he could have filled it um but at the same time totally understand why he went the way he did he decided to keep barzal instead yeah uh and i do think that barzal is going to have a good year 70 points probably um, I do think he's a little bit better under the new coaching system down there, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I mean, once, once I saw that high skin was going to be available, I've been super high on this guy. Um, you know, it was just a matter of Klingberg getting out of the way. And I really, I mean, if I'm being honest, I really do feel pretty comfortable in saying that this guy's going to get 50 to 55 points this year. Um, in our, uh, fantasy league, it'll actually end up being a little bit more, okay. uh, points, but uh, I in real life in real points yeah. NHL points like I see this guy fifty to fifty five pushing definitely pushing over over fifty and I if I'm being honest I stop being I honest see this guy hitting six I could I could see this guy getting sixty points he could uh, as early as next year as I mean, as, as early as long next year, as Robertson resigns he can. If he doesn't, oh, yes. this team is going to suffer, and and that's a big deal. Like it, it really is. The team around him is going to suffer. Now, Jake Odinger is going to bail them out, and he's going to make sure that they're at least treading water in comparisons to what they did last year. But that ain't going to do it. You need to sign Robertson like yesterday, but th- that's a whole other story. Um, okay, well then, at least now I understand your your train of thought and why you went Hiskin uh, and then obviously ended up with Flurry. Uh, in the very same round, because you had two picks, you had the you traded for the first and you had the last. Um, like I mentioned yeah. already, I didn't have a single pick because this is what I do. I trade away my picks, um, and my pick this year went to the Pawn Hogs, and they they filled that spot in with Keller. Now I can tell you right now, I would not have picked Keller. That would not mm-hmm. have been the player. That being said, the player I did end up picking fifteenth overall in the second round. So a whole bunch of players went is still the player I would have picked at my number seven Giroux. I still, really? absolutely. I still would have picked him. Oh yes. And I'm going to tell you right yes, now, sir. I want a piece of Ottawa. I wanted, I wanted a big piece of Ottawa. I, I didn't want just like the Pinto or the Forenton. Mm-hmm. I wanted 
one of the biggest pieces, and that's clearly Giroud. And in fact, I would even go as far as saying this. <laughs> well, there's two reasons. One, clearly my team, this is where players go to retire. This is what I do with my team. This is who they are. Everybody on my team, Crosby, Ovechkin, Malkin. I picked up Malkin, so might as well, right? Everybody who's about on the cusp to retire, anybody who's got three to five years left, come on board. This is where you come. But Giroud, look, he's excited to be home and to play for his home team. He's around a plethora of talent. Like, I mean, a lot. Of, we've already covered all the players. Great cast. Then they went out and got Cat on top of that, who Giroud will be playing with. Um, the power play is going to be disgusting, which he will be dead center of it all. Like, he will be the one dishing out the, the rubber to everybody, picking up as many apples as he possibly can. And given what Pavelski did for me last year, he was one of the reasons why I was in contention would be Pavelski. And Pavelski had his career year last year on a team with young talent, not as much as Ottawa, but still young talent. And he was able to capitalize on that. And in fact, turn around and sign a two-year contract. It was a two-year contract, I believe, right? That he signed, not just the one. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, Giroux? Giroux? No, no, Pavelski. Oh, sorry, Pavelski. Pavelski. Yes, yeah, I do two believe. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, it was two years. Okay. Yeah. So to me, that just shows what Giroux can do. Plus, Pavelski had never done what he did last year, which was, I believe, 86 points in 82 games. I don't think it was 82 games, but it was a smidge over a point a game. Giroux has a 100-point game in his system. He's got multiple you know, over a point game in his, in his system. He's what he's about to do in Ottawa. Sorry, not what he's about to do, what he has the potential of doing in Ottawa. Cause this isn't a slam dunk. Obviously everything still needs to go right. People need to gel and everything needs to go right. All things looking pretty much like it's going to go really good. If, if you haven't followed anything Ottawa Senators, I don't blame you necessarily, but if you're looking at any of the tapes of their practices, any of their games, Giroud just had, a, I think, a two or three point night last night or the night before. Things are going well. I He, he holds the potential for a 100 point season this year. Because it's the first of the three-year contract. He's super excited to be on board. And he's got the team that's super excited to be around him. And now, in fact, the Talbot injury may even boost that offense a little bit more because they don't have a choice. They have to, which gives more points to Giroux. So Giroux is, to me, like the, one of the best players you can grab in any draft right now. Obviously not in the first couple of rounds. If you're playing in a league that's wide open, there's no protected list. Obviously not in the first couple of rounds. There's a lot of other players. But Giroux is definitely someone you should have on your radar because Giroux is going to have one hell of a monster season. He might beat his previous old of, I think it was 102 points in the season. So I was very happy to get him very early on. But then my second pick, which is why you picked Flurry, is because there's no goalies. The trend in the NHL is 1A, 1B. The, every team seems to be going 1A, 1B. There's maybe, mm-hmm. there's maybe what, eight goalies that you can bank on on being the starter, and that's it, out of 32 yeah. teams. Everybody else after that has a question mark next to them. They might get the bulk of it, but there's still a question mark. There's going to be some hesitancy when you go to fill out your lineup for that week. You wonder, is that goalie actually the one that's going to get all the games this week? Last week, he played four. I don't know, man. He's supposed to be the number one, but maybe he doesn't get it all. Maybe they want to rest him, load management, all that kind of bullshit. You mm-hmm. have to be careful. So because of that, I went out and I got a goalie when I didn't want him. But I got him anyways because I only had the two going into the season. and You need at least three, and I really wish I had four, but... I didn't. I kind of screw up halfway through the, or actually midway through 
the um, uh, the draft. I forgot that you have to have so many defensemen. That's a new rule that I completely forgot about. So I almost missed that, but my brother caught it and was like, "Hey, by the way, you need to grab some defensemen there." <laughs> so I in the back end, I had no choice. I, I I wanted to pick up another goalie, even if it was just a throw in, but it's not going to happen. I'm trying to do a trade before the show. I was trying to do a trade and. I don't think it's going to happen because guess who doesn't have any picks available. <laughs> so, but well, I, I will listen. I won't. I, I won't harp on um, on Giroux. I know you've gone over over him, and we're going to be talking about him a little bit later in the show here as well. Um, but what I will say in regards to my co-host Marty here is, I believe that he potentially got the steal of the draft in one Mister Tyler to Foley. Oh, now what round did you happen to grab gosh, him in? That sir? was late too. Yes, it was. Round eight, 63rd overall. McAvoy, a guy who is not playing until the end of December, went just before Toffoli. (laughs) I mean, uh, when when you made that pick, first and foremost, I was actually a little bit upset at myself that I didn't have him. For not recognizing it. Well, just for not, I had him written down, but just kind of, you know, I, I, I had tried, I made a mental note before the draft saying, listen, this guy's getting some play on that first line there. So this could be somebody that you might want to take a peek at. And whenever you named him off, I'm like, son of a, <laughs> I did forget about that guy yeah. a little bit. But so, 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 ta- you know, props to you. I think you may have one of the biggest steals in the draft if, uh, if things do continue uh, the way they're going, because I do believe uh, that he is still being tried out on that first line. Yep. Uh, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I do not think he's been playing very badly at all. Oh, no, no, I mean, no. How could you with how could you with Huberto and Lindholm, for God's sakes? <laughs> yeah. And in fact, uh, Dauber Hockey just put out a, a story by, I think it was Craig who wrote it. I forget, uh, but I follow him on Twitter anyways. Um, he was the number, he said the top guys to be a surprise this year, potential surprise. And yeah. Toffoli was the number one, potentially getting 70 plus points, which I do believe is, I don't see how he doesn't because oh. he's, he's top line, he, Eve, uh, even strength and top line power play. And the way he yeah. snipes and Huberto and, and Lindholm feeding him, like it, it's just going to be point after point after point after, after, after every game. Like quite frankly, Calgary looks better now than he did before, especially if you talk to Sutter about it. <laughs> he loves just throwing those former <laughs> players under the bus without actually even naming them. But anyways, um, yeah, Toffoli is, uh, for me, heading into it. He, I'll be honest, he wasn't necessarily on my radar. But then, like I think it was the day before, or might have even been the day of, I read a story, an article about him, and then I immediately went to check out the line combinations. And sure enough, there he was on the top for both, uh, even strength and power play. I was like, this is a no-brainer. Like I, I can appreciate the fact that if there's anybody who's going to get slotted out of there, it wouldn't be Lindholm or Huberto. It would be him. But quite frankly, yeah. that's a pretty easy risk to take there's really not much more he's either going to be in the first or the second he's not going to be down in the third or the fourth so he's going to get top six forward absolutely so to get a top six forward with the potential of what he can bring in round eight 63rd overall uh yeah we're good i'll take that yeah not bad not bad (laughs) um in terms of (laughs) i i don't like doing this but did you walk away feeling that someone, someone walked away winner of the draft? Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen, okay. Listen. Hold on. Hold on. Let me. Okay. Right. Let me preface this a little bit here. Okay. When I don't want. 
<laughs> I don't want it to. I don't. I don't want it to sound like you know it's all about me, selfish, selfish. But what I mean by that is, and I and I believe I even mentioned this to you actually at the draft. When the best way I can put it is, when I walked away from that first round and I got Heiskin in, and in particular when Flurry fell to me at eight. To me, right then and there, no matter what happened the rest of my draft, if I kind of got guys I was looking for or didn't, that to me my draft was good. Like I, I, it, I almost feel like those two picks and where it all happened and how it all went down just led into the rest of my draft. Like I, I didn't, I mean, and now I'm in a position as well there where I had a fair number of picks uh, in the early rounds. I believe I had six picks before the end of round four or five picks before the end of round four. So I was able to fill in the spots that I needed to and Again, felt good when I walked away from the from the draft. Um, though I suppose, you know, I, I I really thought, and and this is going to sound like I'm just kicking the tires of my co-host here, but I really felt with where you were with with what you were leading into the draft with, i.e., you didn't have a lot of picks. You made that trade with Jay right before the draft, and what you did with what you had and and that's where i'm getting to like would you have loved to have better players all you know for the first five rounds sure anybody would but where your picks were and where you led into the draft you certainly mitigated being put behind the eight ball because both joel and i had some picks before you or would have had some players on our rosters before you so kind of a props to you in regards to how you went about your business leading up to the draft and then what you did with the picks that you had, like you didn't have a first round pick. So coming away with the guy and, and I'm sure that you kind of felt the same way I did after the first round or that I did after the first round, after your second round, you got the guy that you completely and utterly targeted and he fell to you. You're, you were probably wondering how the hell he fell to you. Um, Cause we all feel that way. Like, I, that's why I picked up Heiskanen because I truly felt that if he was there for your brother at six, he was going to take him. I, I really do. I, 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 I basically, whenever I kind of go over whose sh- team should keep or who this, I go off of who I think they should be keeping, not necessarily their thought processes, but who I think they should be keeping. So yeah, so because I figured your brother was going to keep Heiskanen as protected. I said to myself, okay, maybe he's making all these moves, knowing he's got a pick, or at that point he knew he had a pick before me. I was at eight, he was at six. So anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that, but uh, I thought you did quite well with where you were sitting at before the draft. And once the draft was finished, everything in between, I thought you did really well with what was in front of you, what you, where you, where you were picking and, and, and the players that were available. Oh, I can, I, I appreciate that. I definitely appreciate the shout. In fact, it makes it interesting because I do, I would like to know if our fans feel like, because in my opinion, I think you're right. And only, I would change it a little bit and say that I did better than you. <laughs> okay. And, okay. And, and, and as you should, as you should. And the, and it, the reason I'm saying that is not necessarily because of where, uh, because of my situation, like you laid out all the details. I'm not even going to go that far. I'm just going to go with the players that I picked. Giroud, Marchessault, Malkin, Duchesne, Bertuzzi, Toffoli are the reasons why I think I actually ended up a little bit ahead of you when compared to what you picked. So I, I, I would like to actually post our the players we picked 
and actually see where our fans land. Who they think the who what if the brigands or the dragons did better? We'll post them on our Twitter account and we'll see how people feel about that. You're good with that? Hey, sounds good, man. Okay, so we're good now, with that. Do, no problem there. Um, now let's move. Yeah, this is our bread and butter, right? Beauties and the Beast. I was just gonna say, let's move into it, man. So, so should I? Yeah, go ahead. Do you want to start or should I start this one? Okay, I'll give her. So just to, just just to preface this for our listeners and fans out there. We're kind of leaning a little bit towards our actual fantasy teams with some of these picks, uh, seeing as, you know, it, we just recently had the draft. We're kind of liking some of these new players we have on our rosters, so on and so forth. So I'm going to kick things off by going with le numéro un, Miro Heiskinen, number one pick in this year's entry draft. And, you know, I'll just kind of go over what I've already said about the guy. Um, you know, I really think with Klingberg out of the way now, uh, obviously he's going to be on power play one. Uh, certainly hope that Robertson gets signed and finishes off that uh, that lethal power play down there. Um, you know, the, a couple of years back in the playoffs, Heiskin went off for 26 points in 27 games. And a lot of people are really figuring that's kind of where the breakout was. Um, you know, with, with Klingberg being around and... Uh, you know, getting most of that prime power play. And also with Heiskin being so good of a player defensively, he wasn't getting as many offensive zone starts and was starting more in the defensive zone. So all that to say, uh, I really do think that this guy's got some massive untapped potential. I do think we're going to start to see that uh, this year uh, in spades. And for those who really want to do a deep dive on this guy, just put uh, just put Mira Heiskin in your browser. Uh, read a couple of articles, and if you land on a few that I read over the past couple of days, uh, in particular, there was one that uh, um, that spoke to Coach uh, Pete DeBoer, who's the new coach in Dallas there this year. And if you fo- followed Pete DeBoer over the course of his career, uh, the defenseman that he's had, uh, and he's had some really great offensive defensemen, uh, Burns, Carlson, I believe he had uh, Ekblad a little bit in uh, in Florida, uh, had Theodore, of course, and uh, Peter Angelo in uh, Vegas. This guy can, you know, can get a, a fair bit out of these these types of defensemen, and uh, Heiskanen definitely falls into that category. Um, he has basically flat out said, like, we're going to let this kid roam. Uh, you know, he's super, super great skater, uh, excellent edges. So, you know, everything is kind of lining up for this player to really bust out this year. And that's exactly why I picked him at number one. I really believe that this is a this is a, a defenseman uh, that can get me 50 points. I really do feel like that he's got it in him to get me at least 10 goals, which in our pool, you basically double by two goals for a defenseman are two points. So you're looking at you're pushing over the 60 point barrier here, uh, depending on where he lands in actual points. Um, so, again, listen, uh, if if Heiskanen is available for you out there in your in your draft, I highly highly suggest that you pick this guy up. I, you know, it, it's certainly, this is definitely the first guy that I'm really, really pushing on who kind of hasn't got done that yet. We haven't seen 26 points in 27 games out of him in the regular season. So he still has to show that, but you know what? I'm going to stick my neck out in this one and I feel pretty damn confident in doing so. I think you need to go out there and get yourself a mayor Heiskinen. I think this is the next 55, 60 point defenseman. Next up. Mark yeah. Andre Fleury. Nothing you said is wrong. You're you're definitely in the ballpark of what to expect out of him for this year, and quite frankly, he might even do more in, in years to come. So, yeah, smart pick. Thank you, man. Uh, next up is Mark Andre Fleury. He was my second pick in the first round. 
Um, listen, from from my point of view, you know, from the a little bit of fantasy point wise, um, this is definitely a guy that I had my eye on. It's a it's a goaltender that's going to play the bulk of games. He doesn't really have anybody pushing him behind him, so I think you can easily pencil him in for about fifty five to sixty games uh, with uh, Gustafson playing the rest. Um, listen, it, you know, you're looking at Minnesota. You're looking at a team that. It's not much changed here. Yes, they, you know, Fial is out of the picture, but you're kind of looking a little bit at some Boldy and some Marco Rossi uh, coming into play here to, to mitigate some of that offense. So I really, I really feel pretty, pretty stout about Minnesota and and what they're going to bring this year. I don't think they're going to have much of a fall off. I actually have predicted them to finish second in the uh, in the Central uh, this year. So uh, you know, I really think that uh, Mark Andre Fleury is going to be a great source of wins. Uh, for any of your pools out there that deal with, uh, you know, save percentage and, and some of the peripheral stats, that may not be as shiny as uh, as some other goalies. But at the very least, I think your wins are going to be there in regards to Marc-Andre Fleury. So, uh, you know, pick him up uh, as a uh, more more than less as a second or third. I don't know if I'd want to lean on a 37-year-old goaltender as my number one. But I think as a second or third goaltender, you're probably getting For some sure. pretty good Absolutely. value. Absolutely, that's guy. exactly where you should be. Uh, last but not least, uh, in regards to uh, my third uh, beauty, this is a little bit of a um, uh, a soft a soft spot for me. I've had him as a future star for a number of years here, and it, it's definitely another player that I believe very very highly in. We're talking about Marco Rossi from the Minnesota Wild, so a couple of Wild here with my beauties. Um, listen. In regards to where he is being placed right now in that lineup, he's slotted in on the second line with Boldy on the uh, on the flank. So not a bad place to be in. And the last time that I checked, going through um, uh, daily face-off, uh, they have him centering that first power play. If Marco Rossi can end up centering a first power play and ends up on that second line beside Matt Boldy, a couple of things may have to go right, but I would not necessarily put this guy out of Calder consideration, yeah. especially with some of those plum assignments. Now, we uh, we all know how things go with younger players. This guy could fall all the way down to a fourth line if things aren't going so well. So, I mean, we're going off of kind of what we're seeing so far in the preseason. You don't put too much into that, but it's all the information we have. <laughs> so if this kid can keep some of these uh, plum assignments especially on that power play, because Marty, I don't need to tell you this. It gives him exposure to Kaprizov and Zuccarello. That right there alone can can start to put, you know, some cookies and some apples in the basket for you. So, uh, you know, if he can if he can keep those those spots or or at the very least keep that se- second line center spot, uh, you know, I think we could see a nice little productive year at first year out of Marco Rossi. I, I don't even want to give any kind of a, a point prediction per se, but uh, we could see some substantial uh, points if, he can kind of keep those uh, those plum assignments. So, um, did you want me to get into the beast right yep. away, or do you want me to hold off? No, no, go ahead. All right. Well, my beast this week isn't actually a player; it is a management team, and I think we all know which management team has hit the hit the skids over the past twelve months. Is that what we're, we're calling them? We're the calling them a management oh, team. Is that what we're calling them? You know what? You know what? Let's just call them a team. Let's call them the Blackhawks <laughs> team. The people who run the Blackhawks. Yeah. I've got all sorts of stuff written down here, and the two points that I really want to make are this. I understand that you've made the decision to rebuild, and I do understand that you more than likely see a general generational talent in Berard in 2023's entry draft, and you're making a run for him. 
dude, I even, I can, I can even understand wanting to trade your your star players, like you know, the the revered Taze and Kane, revered in Chicago. They're gonna have their 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 pictures up, uh, you know, later in their careers in the whole nine yards. But but you cannot. There is not anything that anyone can say to me from that Blackhawks organization to make sense of trading a forty goal scorer for basically nothing. Okay, you really saw a player that you wanted seventh overall. Okay, <laughs> fine, but to trade a forty goal scorer. Dude, you'd need to trade me the first overall pick. A young 40-goal uh, scorer who could yes. still be part of your 24, rebuild. You got it, my man. Thank you. 24 years old. On top of all of that, and I and listen, I'll preface this, folks. I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan. I understand <laughs> that Kirby Doc has not done anything as of yet. I get that. But do you mean to tell me that as a rebuilding organization, you're gonna go. You are going to get rid of one, a centerman, who two is six foot three and three is two hundred pounds. Listen, even if the guy can't score you any goals, Marty, to have a centerman on the ice at six foot three and two hundred pounds, I think we can do something with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, again, I don't want to beat this like a dead horse. We've been on the Blackhawks for the better part of a year here. There is no way, no way that you can tell me that trading those two guys and then getting back Kevin Korchinski at seventh overall and Frank Nazar and, and Marty, these players may be great players. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about the players and I'm not shitting on those players, but I'm saying that you cannot tell me and you cannot explain to me that I'm a rebuilding organization, but I'm going to trade a 24-year-old 40-goal scorer and a 21-year-old six-foot-three center. Sorry, you, there's nothing you can tell me that is going to change my mind in any way, shape, or form. Not that but sounds. Mike, drop. <laughs> Done. Yeah, you're. When I saw that you had picked the Blackhawks management, I kind of felt like one got away from me there because you're right. Uh, I think we've all been talking about the giant question mark that hangs aside from the fact that they're obviously trying to tank to go for Bedard. There's a question mark in regards to how exactly they're going about doing that. You can keep the Brinkat and let him score 40 goals. You're still not going to, doesn't mean you're winning every game. So like that, it's just, you know, I don't know. You know what? It's a, it's it's disappointing. I, I will, I will finish this thought off by saying this. I was on another podcast yesterday. <gasps> Traitor. Oh God. No, no. We were pumping our tires, bud. We were. I was pumping our tires like I wouldn't oh, believe. Love Kraken Night Show. Love them. Love, love them. But I will say, I'll say the same thing I said on that show that I'll say here. If I am a fan, and I, and I'm not lying, I would actually do this because if I I know how passionate I am as a hockey fan for the Habs. If I switch my allegiances over to the Blackhawks, and I'm a Blackhawks fan, and I was going, and I was. I saw all this happen here over the past twelve months from that town hall that they did with the owners, right up to these this off season for the Blackhawks. If I am a fan of that team, and I said this on the Kraken Knights podcast yesterday, I am walking up to the United Center. I'm knocking on that front door, and as a fan and as a paying fan of that organization, 
I want somebody, I don't care, I, I want somebody of importance coming down there and talking to me. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but I seriously would do that. As a fan of that team, if I'm a passionate fan like I am for the Montreal Canadiens, if I'm a passionate fan like, as a Blackhawks fan, I want answers. You want me to go and pay for these hockey games that are coming up over the next three years? I got no problem doing that. But you better start giving me some answers, and you better start giving me some answers right now as to what in God's name you are doing as an organization. Flat out. That's exactly what I said. The problem with said. that organization, looking for answers for them, we see what kind of answers they deliver. Remember last year, the press conference at the, the owner? Like, if you wow. if you went wow. over there and asked them for answers, they'd make things worse. It's probably better they keep Brutal. their mouth shut and then just, you know, Allow the Probably. fans not to show up for the next couple of years and then let them see through action that you're going out and getting Bedard and then hopefully they come back. Because I, I'm not convinced that putting them out there, letting them make a statement face-to-face would be the right idea because they botched that up far too many times too. I, I'll, you know what? Blackhawks management team, you are my beast this week and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this will not be the last oh, no, time this no, year. You're right. All right. So I'm going to head into my beauties now. I stupidly already described one of them, Claude Giroux. So I'm not going to repeat everything I just said, or everything I said earlier when we were on the boards, but I am just going to just hover the top a little bit and just mention again that I do think this is Giroux's year. Uh, In terms of breaking his personal best for points in the season, he's going to eclipse 100. And I do feel like even if he doesn't get there, I don't see how he doesn't get 80 points. Uh, I know the projections for him have him between 60 and 75. In my opinion, the way things are, Ottawa's exciting. Ottawa's offense first, especially now because of the tablet injury. I don't know how he doesn't reach the point-per-game plateau in 82 games. He'll, if he plays 82 games, he'll get 82 points. If he plays 70 games, he'll still get 82 points. Like That's how good this team will be. And I really feel he ends up closer to 100. Well, I mean, the, okay? so I'll just, I, the, sorry. Yeah. No, I was just going to say the thing for me, and you know what? I'll, I'll go as far as saying I really think this guy can push to 70 points. Like, I, you know, I, I would be extremely happy 68, 69, 70, 71, yep. right around that area there. But I, I think where, where it could take a nice little uh, bump up for you yes. is that power play. I do think I do think that this this Ottawa Senators power play has the opportunity to be fairly lethal because of the type of personnel you've got. You got some real nice pieces there, and when I say some nice personnel, is you don't you got Giroux is a guy a great guy off off the wall. You can put the Brinket on off the half wall as well. So you've got some real. You can mess things around a little bit. You can kind of throw some different. uh, looks, if you will, at the at the opposing team. But yeah, I think where you can really start to take advantage here, Marty, is definitely with some of those uh, and power play opportunities. I think, I, I think, like you say, we could be popping up. And I think you're forgetting points. about one sort of magic weapon that everyone tends to, har- or sorry, everybody ten- liked to talk about last year is the fact that Stutzel kind of takes a few, maybe a few too many dives, uh, gets you at that extra power play, one or two power plays per game. If the power play is the thing that Ottawa is going to be very good at and very strong at, and that's going to boost Giroux's uh, stats, well, guess who Giroux's playing with? He's playing with Stutz on the even and on the power play. So that just means more power play time for Giroux. I don't see how this doesn't translate to even more points for Giroux. So I have, I have all the confidence in the world that he's going to do what Pavelski did for me last year, and I actually have a lot more... Con- sorry, I have 
a little bit less confidence, but still very high, that he will do better. Uh, better than the 80-some-odd points he got from me last year. So look out for Giroud. I think I've talked about him enough. Moving right along, Evgeny Malkin. Uh, he's, he's got one more season of what he, we used to think Malkin was. And I think this is the year. So like last year, he was kind of filled with injuries. But even though with all, the, all those injuries, he still put up a point per game. 42 points in 41 games, which included 20 goals. So it's not for a lack of talent. It's just for a lack of playing time because of injuries. So if he can stay healthy, this is a different, this is a different Malkin. Actually, sorry, not a different Malkin. This is the old Malkin that we're used to. So, but he's apparently coming to camp fully healthy, determined, and really, I think he wants it this year. He, will he hit the 80, 90, or even 100? I think he, realistically he could do that. Because I think if this is the year he's going to do it, again, that contract of his is what I think it was a four-year contract. So I would have to imagine yeah. on the back end of that contract isn't going to be his best year. That's not going to be the one year he's got left. He's got one good year in this four-year contract. And if it's not the first year, it'll be next year. But I, I have more faith that it's in the first year. Last year, he came in with a bit of a chip on his shoulder that he created for himself. He kind of felt like he was, I was going to retire. I'm not as good. Crosby had a talk with him. He's like, no, you're definitely still good. What are you talking about? And sure enough, he showed it. Injuries aside, he was definitely one of the better players in the NHL, as he usually is. So I think if he stays healthy this year, watch out for Malkin. He's another one that's going to propel me into the next level. Uh, my other guy, Rasmus Anderson. Now, this guy, I'll be honest, when I picked him... I didn't feel this way about him. <laughs> I picked him sort of uh, out of haste. I needed a defenseman. I saw his name and then I, I picked him. And then I quickly started looking into him and I realized that, holy geez, he had a career year last year. He had 50 points last year. He doesn't score a ton of goals, but he still gets 50 points. So that, you know, in our fantasy league, maybe that doesn't translate to too much. I do think he's got a 10 plus goal season in him. Hopefully it's this year for me. Um, but I do think he's got more than 50 points available to him in his career. He's still young. I think he's 24, 25, and he's playing with some very, very good players, better than last year. And if last year, in my opinion, and Sutter's opinion, if if last year was any indication of what he's going to be doing, if last year was his career year, well, then you just surround him with better players and you've opened him up a little bit more. Okay, well, then this year's going to be the better year of the, of the two. I understand Mackenzie Wieger is there, but I think Mackenzie Wieger is there for depth. I think he's there for the second line. So far, that's how they're playing it, and I think that's the smarter way to go about it, spread the love. He could also always end up on the second-line power play, Anderson, that is, and that, to me, is still fine. The second power play in Calgary is still very strong. So I think at the end of the day, Rasmus Anderson has a very strong chance of eclipsing his 50-plus and uh, he might even end up being protected. If he can get 50-plus for me, I might end up actually protecting him at the end of the season. So he's another good pick. Pretty astute pick there, too. That was a very late pick. pick. That was one of my last picks. Uh, And I got lucky that he was still alive, or still alive, still available. Um, So my beast to end off the night, Shane Wright. Now... Apparently, he still has a bad attitude. And to me, that puts him in my doghouse right out of the gate. Like, the talent is 100% there. And he should provide some pretty exciting highlights and things like that. But, however, his attitude will prevent him, at least until he matures some more, from being consistent. And I see Seattle head coach Dave Haxtell opening, opting to keep him on the bench uh, whenever, his temp- whenever he gets into those little tamper tan- temper tantrums. And also some healthy scratches to teach him a lesson. So I, I don't like his reaction when I saw him when he wasn't chosen first overall, all that kind of stuff. I see him as being a very selfish 
player for now. I think he gets better. I think he matures. Okay. I think the players in Seattle will help him along and help him understand that you can't act like, like this. Uh, one thing that comes to mind when he was at a practice and he just didn't want to get up. He was literally sitting along the boards on the ice and the Zamboni driver had been out for some like something like 20 minutes. When he came around, he had to honk at him to get him to finally get him to move because he just wasn't moving. So it's stuff like this that he needs to get out of quickly. Um, the sooner the better. The longer you wait on this, the worse it's going to be for him. So for now, Shane Wright, if you've got him, just protect him for now because he, he the talent is there. It will come. But his maturity will prevent him from being great. Um, he might be okay. He might even fly out of the gates pretty fast with, like let's say, three or four points out of the first five games or maybe even a point a game. But he's going to go cold fast. Um, because of his attitude and his approach to the game, his approach to the team, his approach to the league, the things that he's, all these chips that he's got on his shoulders, that he's creating all these monsters for out of nowhere. Like, okay, you weren't picked first overall. You're picked fourth. Who cares? You're in a great situation in Seattle. Make the best of it because you can own that city. You can own that team. That could be yours. Where you drive that sucker forward for your entire career, you can end up being the captain of that team. And what a great city to be a captain of. It's a great team. There's a lot of promise in there. Just got to be patient, but I don't like his attitude. And I hate, I, I hate the concept of you're coming to a team. You're, this is a team sport and you're coming over to a team. You're the new guy. There's a lot of hype around you. Be as accommodating as possible. That to me would be the best teammate that I would want to play with. The best teammates do that for you. And they do that for the dressing room. They do that on the ice. They do that off the ice. They do it everywhere. They just live by that example. Shane Wright is not that and it's going to take him a while to get there. So for now, Shane Wright, you're in my doghouse, boy. Well, I mean, I, I got to agree with you to the point where I certainly want to see how he um, how he deals with it all. And and this goes right back to again, like you say, you know, being drafted fourth overall when he was expected to go first, or at least he really thought he was he was going to go first. Um, you know, how how is he going to deal with all this now? Because summer's over, your preseason, you're starting with your new team, like. Like you said, at some point, you know, you have you do have to let go. Has he already done that? Has he not done that? We don't know. We really don't. Only Shane Wright knows. But I will say that there is definitely, I, I definitely want to see how how you're going to deal with this, my friend. I mean, you you, you <laughs> certainly didn't look too happy at the draft and uh, looked like he you know <laughs> felt like he was slighted. But uh, you know, yeah. like you said, you're with a great team. You're with a great organization. You know, you guys are setting up really well down the middle. Great opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. And so run with take, it. Make, yeah. And if you want to be upset that you weren't picked first overall, that's fine. Use it as leverage or use it as motivation in the dressing room. Use it as motivation in the weight room. Use it as motivation on the ice. But don't let it dictate your character. And that's what he's doing right now. And that's an immature thing to do. And he'll hopefully he'll grow out of that sooner rather than later. Well, if he doesn't, we're certain we're certainly going to see his dip and play. That's for sure. Exactly, yeah, and that's going to be disappointing to see because he does have the talent. Some of the highlights I've oh, already seen of him are pretty pretty spectacular. And there you go, <coughs> our preseason special in the books. But before we're off, I do want to say, don't forget to check out our Twitter feed for those two things that we mentioned. One was a contest for the bumper sticker, and the other one was to vote on either Mike or my uh, draft. 
picks as being the winner of the draft because there was only Mike and I's team that are up for grabs in terms of winning the draft. All the other teams did not do well. <laughs> oh, maybe they nice. maybe yeah, they maybe. did okay. We'll we'll see by the end of the season. Um, but anyway, so we'll be posting those two things up real soon. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. We're uh, we're back in a couple of weeks. Here we're going to be recording our next. Uh, our next program, I believe, on Monday the 17th, if I'm not mistaken. And then that's going to come out for you folks on Wednesday, uh, October 19th, will be our actual season debut. And uh, we're going to get into what we feel is going to happen in regards to some fantasy players here with each of the 32 teams. We'll give you a few more details as we lead up to that uh, program. So sure. look out for that. Excellent. All right. First one in the books. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you're interested in reaching out to us, you can email us at twoguysaleague and some guests at gmail.com. You can find our latest episodes at anchor.fm slash Or you can follow us on Twitter where you can find all of our info. Our handle is at Tugalag. That's the number two, followed by G-A-L-A-G. Don't forget to like, follow, and share. Thanks for listening, and until next time.